This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart, and as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback, and I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cammie here. Today's episode is a really, um, I don't know, emotional and, and sweet chat with Ian Alexander, an actor who is on the Netflix show The OA. Also, if you want to see me do stand-up, and I know you do, you can come catch me in Montreal from July 17th to 24th. I'm doing an hour every night. I'm also going to be in Dublin right after that at the Vodafone Comedy Festival. That's from July 26th to 28th. And then I will be in Los Angeles doing an hour on August 17th at Dynasty Typewriter, which is the name of a theater, believe it or not. Uh, You can get tickets to all of those things at CameronEsposito.com, which is my website. (laughs) Please enjoy this episode. Will you introduce yourself? Oh, great. I waited till you were exactly taking sorry. a... Sub- sorry. Why are you sorry? Hello. Hi. Will you introduce yourself? Um, so I'm Ian Alexander. I am a 18-year-old actor. Um, I am Vietnamese-American, and I use he, him pronouns, and I identify as queer. So, yeah, that's just a little intro. Great intro. <laughs> a little bio. You also, we had a really formative bonding experience before we started recording because you came into the studio (laughs) and I was getting a glass to fill up with water for you and for myself and I crushed the glass in my hand and glass exploded all yes like it just spontaneously like combusted in your hand in my hand actually really cool it was how did you I see some errant glass over here Jordan which I'm just mentioning for a future how did I do that um look like I get it. Like you're 18, like you're just starting on your queerness trajectory. But like, this is what it's like at 37. You can crush shit. Glass. Your I mean, hands I, are just I'm so strong. Deliberate like dexterity. That's just- right. That's well, specifically my hands, and that is because of all of the sex that I have with them. Well, and you might be. Maybe you're valid. too young for me to make that joke. With. I'm 18. I'm I know. Legal, yeah, it's true. Maybe, you are. You know. It doesn't have I feel to be. uncomfortable making that. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, you just become super powerful, and that's part of it, you know. So I look strength. forward. Well, I actually, I really relate to that because I started testosterone um, eight weeks ago. So I'm like almost two months in, and I'm just like gaining a lot of like extra strength. Like I go ah. to pick up my dog, and I'm like, oh, that's like easy now. Like it just like because I'm building all this muscle mass because hormones do that, and it's crazy. Like my body is growing and changing so yeah I'm just like wow I'm like extra strong and also I'm like really angry and also depressed and tired and you know it's fun Puberty yeah is so much fun I have I have definitely heard that from friends who take testosterone because you yeah. know I think if it's something that is happening um maybe more gradually or where you're not like like I know the date that this started mm-hmm. right then then maybe it's um like the effects might be less in relief or whatever. Mm-hmm. But why Why eight weeks ago? Why was that the starting point for you? So I turned 18 um, in Happy April. Happy birthday. And yeah, so uh, like late April and then I basically like right after 
went to the doctors and was like, I can legally get testosterone now without parental consent. So can I have testosterone? Um, and yeah, my doctor was great. He was like, you don't have to prove your transness to me. You don't have to prove your identity in any way. Like if you want the hormones, then that's your choice. Um, just sign this consent form, you know, blah, blah, blah. He informed me of all the risks and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I started to like two weeks later and I was just so happy cause I'd been waiting for a really long time, like years and years. So it's great. Um, that I'm how like, does that feel emotionally? How does it feel, uh, getting to that place that you've been waiting to be in? It's almost like kind of like surreal because, you know, going through puberty a second time is like the first time it was just, it filled me with like dread and self-hatred and disgust. And I just like really was unhappy with what was happening to my body. But now I'm like happy with the changes that I'm seeing. And I feel like I'm growing into myself more and I feel more confident and like I can express myself as who I am without hiding behind this, like, you know, sort of facade that I was building up and when I went through like the first puberty sure and, um, and do you notice I know you're saying um some moods and like emotions <laughs> and strength do you notice other um physical changes yet um physical I mean like my my partner has said that my jawline and like my neck and shoulders have gotten broader and like that's something that I don't really notice because I'm seeing my face every day but if someone doesn't see me, you know, for a few days, they'll always be like, oh yeah, like your voice, your voice sounds a little different and your face is like widening out a little bit. And, um, yeah, I think I, I'm, I've gotten to the point where like from now on things are going to start happening quicker just cause it's like, it's fully in my system. It's fully being like processed as testosterone instead of being rejected by my body. So like it's time for like lots of voice cracks and, you know, probably like acne and um I just got to stay on top of my skincare routine <laughs> um but uh other than that oh I'm hungrier oh that's I'm interesting hungrier. yeah is there because like you know how teenage boys just like eat everything yes and I haven't gotten quite to that point yet but I just like usually don't have much of an appetite and now I'm like oh yeah I could go for like a full-size meal right now and like just kind of like treat myself to like a big like multiple course meal which I couldn't do that before I'd, I'd eat like half of one meal and be like oh I'm so full like I was one of those people <laughs> that just like never ate <laughs> I feel like I, I feel like I had a huge appetite going through puberty too I also mm -hmm. was like playing a shit ton of sports but I definitely that's, relate that's to that like true teenage yeah uh, or puberty pubescent uh like eating the house hunger down sort yeah of thing just like is literally there, eating anything that's in the cabinet. Right, yeah. Like the weirdest, <laughs> the weirdest stuff. Absolutely. Um, is there anything specific that you, and maybe this is too personal, so you can tell me, is there anything specific you're like really excited about or looking mm. for? Like, I guess I would say, and I don't, I mean like something like, uh, like I, I'm interested in what my eyebrows will look like, or I'm like that's excited to like, have a different voice. That's like, actually like so true because um, I, so many of my friends have been excited for me for years and they keep telling me about, oh, you're going to expect this and expect this to happen. And one of the things is that they're like, your eyebrows are going to get like thicker and like, you know, bigger. Um, all Because all of your hair will, you know, your body hair, 
will just like lengthen and thicken. Except perhaps for that head hair. <clears throat> Shit! The catch 22 of testosterone. <laughs> exactly. It just goes in reverse. Yeah. Like it flips. It flips all of a the sudden. The hair moves to all different places. Yeah. Yeah. It, it disperses from your head into your body. But um, yeah, I. I, I am excited um, for, like, more body hair just because, you know, my mom is Vietnamese, so I don't have much hair to begin with. And I probably won't get, like, a full beard, but I just I, I want to have a full beard. And I would like to have a deeper voice, but, I mean, my voice has already started dropping and I'm excited to see, like, if it goes any further or if it'll, like, level out at a certain point. But, um but yeah, like even listening to like my speaking voice like one month ago, I'm like, who is that? Wow. <laughs> it's so crazy because like I've, it, I've never experienced like such a big change Wow. in like my appearance and everything before. Because even when I went through like puberty the first time, it was more of just like I was just growing into my like quote unquote feminine features. Um, but now it's like. I have no idea what I'm going to look like. Mm. I could look like my brother. I could look like my dad. They both look very different. Or I could look like someone completely different because <laughs> that's just how genetics works. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm excited. I could also imagine that maybe um, just because of your physical stature, mm. that something like a deeper voice would be really helpful. Yes. Because uh, <laughs> everyone's always like, oh, who is this little boy, this little 12-year-old yeah. child? Let's protect him. And I'm like, I'm an adult. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was just imagining that that might be true. Yeah, because yeah. it's... Um, that's that's what helps me uh, in the acting realm, though, is that I'll be able to play, like, 12 through 17, probably, for, like, the next 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> um, I have Asian baby face and I have trans mask baby face. <laughs> and that's, that's, you're happy about that. Yeah. You are happy being I mean, I'm able to play those yeah. roles. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I want to represent who I am and that's who I am. Is you know, Oh, I mean teenage. more like I've never um, <clears throat> spoken to somebody because that is something that Right, like so often because of child labor laws, mm-hmm. we yeah, it's like a a younger teen is played by somebody in their twenties or I've never like yeah. actually spoken to somebody who <laughs> is maybe gonna be continuing in that realm mm-hmm. of like I might be playing thirteen and I might be twenty three or whatever. I don't, but I, that yeah. that clearly happens That's all very the time. Common. Yeah, super Extremely common. Extremely common. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I feel like um, it's it's interesting because like sometimes some of the most important representation is when you're going through your teen years. So I think that's why there's so much content about like, you know, young adults and, you know, teens and coming of age and stuff like that. So if I can represent a trans teen and just be like, put myself in that narrative and, um, you know, provide representation for all these kids that are so desperate for trans representation in the media, then like, that's that's good for me. I'm 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 happy with that. I I would be, you know, satisfied with my career helping at least you know just one person like feel better about themselves. So yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a few more questions about yeah, sure. um like going and talking to the doctor? Because oh yeah, <laughs> I feel like uh, some of this stuff. It's you know I I often think about our listeners and mm-hmm. I and it's people that live all over the place and have had all sorts of different experiences and here you're like so. Uh, recently going through uh, these, like, requi- requirements or whatever, mm-hmm. jumping through these hurdles. And I feel like I've had definitely lots of folks 
that have transitioned on the show before, but maybe not so maybe not people within like the last eight weeks. Yeah. So I'm just wondering, like, well, number one, did you did you go to that appointment solo? Did you go by yourself? Um, so the first appointment that I went to, which was just to get like my blood drawn and like tested and stuff like that, um, my my friend came with me. Um, but the one where I got my first shot, I did go solo. Um, just because I don't know, I, I kind of felt right to mm. me. I mean, maybe I would have f- brought someone, but I don't know. How did it feel having a friend for up. the first one? Um, it felt good because like I. You know, like, I know that if my um, immediate family were in town, like, and I had them come along to that appointment, it would feel very stressful and wrong and weird. And instead, I was, like, comforted. And I know that um, my friend had been to that same exact, you know, clinic. Not my same doctor, but, like, you know, was attending that place or whatever and so I felt really secure knowing that like there was someone that had my back and a lot of my friends actually go there so it was it was just reassuring to know that we were all like in it together so it was it was another trans person yes yeah that's that is super cool Mm -hmm. to have that shared experience yeah because I think when you're talking about um and where is where is your family where are you um so (laughs) okay um so my my dad kind of like his job has us move around a lot um and so they lived in the dc area and i moved to la from there and i've been here for about a year um and around the same time that i moved to la they moved to beijing so they are across significantly out of town yeah yes significantly out of town (laughs) um but but yeah i mean i still i still keep in contact like we text and stuff but um we haven't seen each other except for like holidays and stuff like that just because that's how it is. Busy schedules. Yeah, and sure. Work. And you and think, um, and for you, like going with somebody who has been, th- has been through this and like identifies exactly, you know, yeah. with Instead the of like having someone asking me questions and like making, trying to make me change my mind or like, you know, just like making me feel more anxious. It was just good to have someone that was like there and supportive and had been through all of it before and could guide me like step by step. Like, yeah, I love that. I love that. I think that's one thing that we really have to offer each other as Mm -hmm. folks in the LGBT community is the guidance. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because it's like I've been here. Yeah. It's, It's, that's a huge thing. Yeah. I'm so glad you have that person in your life that Mm -hmm. was able to come with you. Me too. Yeah. Good on you for building that community. Yeah. I love, I love having like little queer chosen family where we all sort of, in our own ways have been like rejected by different parts of our family. And so we find like community in each other and it's great. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I, f- I find that like at this point with my folks, my family, mm-hmm. I am like rejected is no longer a huge part of my day-to-day story. It, mm-hmm. it was at a time in my life. And when I came out at 20, like things were really hard for five years like really really hard for five years and then they were just kind of weird for a while Mm -hmm. and now at this point it's literally like just not a problem at all but Mm -hmm. just not a problem at all doesn't mean mm, a one-to-one understanding yeah you know like there's always like because that's that's interesting too and I think we don't often talk about that as as like queer folks it's like we don't talk about the difference between like rejection acceptance and then just um commonality yeah. You know, like I've been um going through some stuff in the past year that some members of my family 
it's been helpful to have folks that are queer that get it from a different perspective. And I think that's always true, even if you get to a place where you're like, where everything's totally (laughs) chill. It's not about things being a problem. It's just about like... Accepting and just existing as a person. And you just happen to be gay or trans. And (sighs) that's just how it is. And it doesn't have to be a big deal. That's the ideal. But Oh, sure. Yes. I (laughs) I also mean like... That there's something special, like a gift we can give each other as folks oh, within yeah. the community. That, For sure, like, yeah. That is an understanding that, I don't know, I was just at Pride in New York. Mm-hmm. And um, I like when there are like straight cis folks at a Pride event. I think that's cool. I also like it when they're wearing like an ally shirt. Oh, so they can like distinguish Yes, because I feel like it's like, cool, I'm glad you're here. (laughs) But like, just so you know, there's another thing going on you might not get. I think that's what I'm talking about is like that it's okay to have some separate identity going Mm -hmm. on too. Yeah. So um, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Celebrate. Celebrate the the separate identity. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I'm, I'm glad that you're, let's see, eight weeks in. This is exciting. It is really exciting. It's like uh, everyone um, has kind of just been telling me, like, oh, get ready. Like, it's going to be an adventure. It's going to be, like, a huge deal. So I'm excited. It's kind of like a whirlwind, I feel like, of events that happen as, you know, you're going through puberty for a second time. But Mm -hmm. I'm excited. Are you wondering at all about, like, if for some – if like you said, you don't know how you're going to end up looking mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Like you're in a field mm-hmm. where your looks matter. Make your yeah, job happen. Exactly. <laughs> so is that something you're thinking about at all? Um, I mean, it, it definitely has crossed my mind before, but I feel like actually in a way that like being on T will help some of my career opportunities just because there are so few opportunities for um, trans actors who um, haven't started hormones. And that's not saying that I am starting hormones so that I can have more opportunities because this is something I've been wanting to do for a really long time. Um, and you can, you know, be trans and not be on hormones and that's totally valid. But um, I just feel like I want to get in the room and use my sort of like male passing privilege eventually um, to make casting directors realize like, oh, we don't have to cast trans people just because they're trans people and we want a trans person in the show. We can cast them because they're good actors and directors and writers and et cetera. Um, So I kind of want to see what that's like. Um, But I also, you know, have have just been um, at the place that I'm at is like I'm going out for a lot of um transmasculine roles and non-binary roles because I personally like also kind of identify with the term non-binary um but the few male roles that I've gone out for it just never really felt like right like I felt like I was just sort of playing this character that didn't fit right and the costume was weird Mm. um so I I wonder like what it's going to be like when I I think part of that is my own dysphoria being like you, your voice doesn't sound like, and or like something in the dialogue doesn't add up. Um, it would just like sort of trigger my own dysphoria. Um, so I'm kind of excited to just be less dysphoric all the time and to be like happy uh, with how I look. And <laughs> sure, stuff. That Honestly, makes sense. That's, that's, that's just how it is. Um, yeah. I mean, like, obviously I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't, um, feel like it would help me and like make me happier. 
Um, so yeah. Yeah. Excited. Of, <laughs> I'm so excited. Of yeah. course. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> of course. And I, I can hear like my voice, like actually cracking every two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the coolest feeling though. Cause you can feel, cause your, your, your like vocal cords like actually thickened and like lower. Right. So you can feel it happening like as it's doing it. And so a lot of people that I know said like, oh yeah, I got sick when I like first started tea and I'm like, am I sick or do I just have a sore throat because my voice is dropping or is it both? Or I don't know, you know, it's like you you don't know exactly what's happening and every little thing that happens, you have to remember that like hormones are normal and naturally existing and anything that can happen to you while you're on testosterone can happen to you any other time as well and vice versa. So like if you get sick, you can't be like, oh no, it's because of the testosterone. It's like, no, you're just, you're just sick because that's, people get sick sometimes. And um, yeah, but I just need to stop overanalyzing are every you, little change. Are you scared? I'll, um, Not really. It's just kind of my own, um, to be honest, like sometimes some of my own internalized transphobia because my therapist was telling me, actually, she was like, this is something that you need to survive. And that's just how it is. Some people need insulin. Some people need antidepressants. Some people, you know, need other medications, but you need testosterone. And this is ultimately going to help your um, your mental health. And it was just because I was sort of saying these doubts that I had about like, you know, what if this... Um, messes up my uterus and like I get you know like ovarian cancer or something and, and this stuff which you know it, it is a concern even without being on testosterone it's a concern for anyone with the uterus like what if I get cancer um but she did point out that a lot of those fears that aren't necessarily like entirely medically proven were kind of instilled in my head by this like anti um transitioning propaganda that I had heard um, and so, yeah, I was just like, oh, wow, you know what? You're right. I, I do need the testosterone. It's like, that's just who I am. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Also, I mean, she's a I, good ally for that. <laughs> I, I also think, um, it's a lot of pressure to put on yourself, especially at your age mm -hmm. to assume that any decision that you would make, you don't have fears about. Yeah. Because like. You're a person. Yeah. I mean, even if this is exactly the right path for you, mm -hmm. it makes a lot of sense you'd still have fear. Like, mm -hmm. that's true if you're moving to a new apartment. That's true if you're, you know, getting married. Like, that's yeah. true for any decision. Any sort of change. Any yeah. decision. Yeah. You know, and even if it's the right decision. Mm -hmm. And I just, I think there's also a lot of pressure. Um, I mean, this is my perspective. I'm not a, I'm not, tra I'm not a trans person, but I think there's also a lot of pressure to you know be perfectly aligned like to be yeah. able to refute somebody else's doubts or whatever like mm -hmm. you have to be a hundred percent I know this is going to be right for me for the rest of my life yeah how can any of us feel that way exactly. about any decision identity it's, is always it's impossible. It, identity is not linear it's always changing and you know like sexuality is a spectrum and what I feel like um you know, like my sexuality has been a very 
sort of weird timeline as I follow it. I mean, like as I was discovering myself and different parts of my sexuality and my gender identity, I realized different things. And, you know, things also change. Like sometimes you're in a relationship that kind of puts you off from, you know, a certain gender for a little bit and that happens. Um, Or, you know, like in some cases, actually, my doctor mentioned to me um, being on testosterone can like increase or like change sexual preferences. Right. So like sometimes, you know, like you may have considered yourself a straight trans man, but then you're actually like, oh, actually I think I'm bi. Or maybe you considered yourself gay and then you're like, oh, well maybe I'm straight. Or, you know, it just like, it happens because, you know, the human body and, you know, sexuality are not like binary. It, that's not how we're designed. Like there, there really isn't, it's a designated sexuality that we all need to have we don't need to fit into a specific label right there's also that that um i remember reading about like the percentage of folks that um end up finding out that they're that they are like for like as opposed Mm -hmm. to like a person who identifies as a butch lesbian and likes butch lesbian and then later looks butch lesbians and then Mm -hmm. later identifies as trans men and then likes other trans men. And it's like, it actually is a like for like attraction as opposed to something larger than that. So there's, yeah, like Mm -hmm. you're saying, it's super, it's super um, complicated because sexuality is complicated and introducing a new uh, substance into our bodies always affects us whether it's caffeine or whether it's testosterone yeah. like, it has um side effects that that are what sometimes wide-ranging mm-hmm. um but i i just want to go back and say like <laughs> i just hope that you feel supported in this moment of hey if you don't know that this is if you don't know every single second of the day mm-hmm. that every result of this choice is going to be like that, I think that sounds really like completely rational, healthy, and normative. Like I think any person, you know, like you're, whatever you're pregnant, you're gonna have a baby. I don't trust any person that's not like <laughs> I am worried I'm gonna kill this baby. You know, like yeah. it's like we just have, we're we're just people. You're just yeah. a person. I think it's there's always some really level, normative well, for you to have yeah. Fears. There's always like some level of anxiety that happens with anything. Exactly. Um, so yeah, yeah. I totally so you're right that. in the right spot. Yeah. yeah, you're right in the right exactly. spot. Exactly. And it does not mean anything about whether or not this is the right choice, because you know that. And yeah, and yeah, I've known deep down for a long time that you know this was this is what I wanted. So can you tell me more yeah. about that? When when did you start to have an understanding of yourself? I think I really didn't have sort of like a concept of gender entirely. I mean, like I did, I I understand gender roles and how they worked and I I played the part and fit the role because I was a kid and you you go along with whatever when you're a kid, you know? Um, And also like kids are pretty genderless like sometimes like you just kind of play with whatever toy you yeah, play I certainly was. you play with whoever is funny, you know, like and, and fun. Like you don't like necessarily start gendering things until puberty or at least that's how it felt for me because then puberty becomes like oh you're becoming a woman or a man now and you have these you know designated things that you're going to go through through in puberty and you know it it really just sort of made me extremely uncomfortable when I like entered like that sort of like preteen phase where puberty starts like 11 12 and I realized how first of all, how unhappy I was with 
how I looked in general. Um, because body dysmorphia is like a huge part of my personal trans experience. Um, not that it is for everyone, but, um, I really wanted a flat chest and I hated that my chest was growing. And, um, I also wanted shorter hair, but I didn't really fully identify as trans. I was just like, well, maybe I'm just like genderqueer or maybe I'm gender fluid because sometimes I feel more masculine. Sometimes I feel more feminine. Sometimes I feel like nothing. And so I kind of like went on this whole journey of trying to find a label that fit. And, um, and then I think I just like solidly identified as a trans man for a while. Um, but that took me a while, like throughout that whole sort of process, I sort of first identified as like a straight woman. Ugh. And then I identified as actually a lesbian, um, femme, and then sort of non-binary lesbian. And then I was like, actually, you know what? I, I'm into anyone regardless of gender. And also I think I'm a dude. And that was sort of like my progression uh, along over, my like self-discovery. Over what over, time? Over from like age 11 to age like 14, 15. And in yeah. your um, world, did you have reference points for what you're talking about? Because I've like in my world where mm. I was trying to figure out what was going on with me, I was kind of like making it up in the dark because mm. um, we are, it's not like we're on from different planets but we are yeah. such different generations of <laughs> lgbt folks that i'm curious as to i mean whether there were reference points for you i the only sort of like transmasculine representation that i saw in the media was just like through social media so i feel like if i hadn't had access to social media at a young age i just wouldn't have known like how to describe myself like i probably would have identified as a lesbian for a long time if i didn't know the words or maybe as Where were you seeing stuff on social media? Um like YouTube and like Tumblr. Tumblr was the main one actually because there's like Wow, that's huge I, that's gay like community. not a, yeah, that's cool. Yep. There is a lot of accounts um that I follow that were you know would would just give advice on like, you know, like hey, like don't use ace bandages if you're going to bind and stuff like that and and I remember just like seeing that there was a community of people that were like looking out for each other. And that was really great. Um, Even that made I- me happy to like, you know, not feel like ashamed because initially the feeling was like guilt and fear and shame of, mm -hmm. of, of like my identity and who I was. And I didn't want to accept it for so long. And then I saw other people being happy like online. And I was like, oh, like- I can I can do that. I can I can be happy. Yeah, even that like ace bandaging mess that ace bandage messaging is like from I feel like the earliest representation that I saw of transmasculinity like on TV or whatever, that mm -hmm. was always shorthand for how it was being depicted. It's yeah. like the person doing that in the mirror or yeah. like it cuts away from them and there's like a bandage falling to the ground. Like, yeah. so that's so, it's so interesting. Like, I don't think I've, I don't feel like I heard that or knew about that. Like until I was probably like firmly in my late twenties or whatever. So just thinking about, you know, the difference in our generations in terms yeah. of like that, that's a thing people are saying to yeah, each other it's, versus it's like, it's great that people are like yeah. encouraging safe binding. Yeah. And, you know, we're looking out for each other. Guys don't use, 
bandages or duct tape or anything like that. You can permanently warp your ribs and sometimes in those cases it can affect your breathing or you can't have top surgery because of so please just um, find a safe binder online and I understand that they can be expensive but there's lots of like giveaways that I might be doing of binders so maybe yeah you do binder giveaways I will start doing them okay um, because I have plenty of extra that I don't have mm. um, and I just I really want to be able to share the GC2B binders that I have because they're like made by trans men or trans masculine people for trans masculine people or just anyone who wants a flat chest and has a chest so um yeah I'm just I, I want people to be able to not I mean so many of my friends have done unsafe binding methods and it's it makes me so concerned I just want to like protect everyone like please don't you're gonna you're gonna hurt yourself don't do that um, and if I have the resources to be able to like buy binders and give them away, then I'll do that. Yeah. I mean, I think can't, besides know. expensive, it's also that thing of, um, I think about like a really young person mm. and just getting your hands on something like that. Yeah. Cause it's like, what do you have it shipped to your house? And yeah. what if it's intercepted exactly. by your family or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, so how did you first get access to that were you talking so how what how did that come into your yeah life? so I I did research on like what kind of binder I wanted and um well the first one I got was my friend had one that didn't fit them and so they gave it to me um and it was it chafed really really bad because it was a really tight like tough texture so I was like okay I want to find one that's a little more comfortable and so I heard that like the GC2B like half tank ones where it's not like a full tank top it kind of like is like a little crop top like binder thing and um I heard that those were were really comfortable um and I also liked that it was like a trans-owned company because a lot of the other binders I was looking at were like tomboy like you know, like not specifically for a trans person. Um, and so I, yeah, I just, I, I got my first GC2B binder by ordering it to my friend's house because um, they were like, my parents, you know, totally support and accept you. Um, and then I think they just gave it to me at school. So I kind of had to do a little sneaky um, binder purchase and my parents noticed, but they didn't say anything. How old were you? I was um, probably 15 or 14 when I got my first and the binder. the friend that you had, who, mm-hmm. whose house you shipped it to. Mm-hmm. How many folks in your life were you out to about what was going on were you with you and what you was this somebody you were that knew yeah like, why you wanted a binder yeah I mean, it just, so it, there's so many different iterations for how this can look so when I was like 13 14 um it was like my freshman year of high school I did have some friends that I met through like actually um my classes and then also my school's like um gender sexuality association and you know um 
some of them also wore binders. And so I remember, I think. Oh my God, gender kind of, sexuality association. That's not yeah. even the phrasing that I, that's such, that's it's, so awesome. That's yeah. great. It's not gay straight alliance anymore. Yeah, it's more inclusive great. now. <laughs> um, and it's crazy that that our school even had that because, you know, the, the teacher that did it, she's like, I've been doing this like for a decade, or, you know, like longer than that even. So like she had been doing that since before gay marriage even got legalized. And she was like, it was never you know, this big and it makes me happy to see it like this now. Um, and so, yeah. So I remember just like being like, can I send you money and have you buy me a binder? And then like, um, so that's, that's how I got it. Yeah. And, uh, I remember like, it was really great to have trans friends in high school because we would all kind of look out for each other and be like, Hey, have you, uh, been wearing your binder all day? It's like almost, been eight hours you maybe you should change out of it you know just like little things like that where if I had been the only trans person which I actually was like one of the only um out like trans men I guess uh for like a, f- a little bit and then more people started coming out because they had like the courage to um yeah it was great because like I didn't feel so entirely isolated and at least you know I had like friends that were looking out for me even if they weren't trans they you know they they were defending me if someone would misgender me um you know they would make sure people weren't like saying mean things behind my back and stuff like that so I I really appreciated um having like a good experience in high school um which not everyone gets I, I understand that I lived in a like pretty progressive area when I went to high school so I'm really lucky um like it would definitely have been really different if I had lived in like the South and was the only trans person that went to my school. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I think also like with the internet and social media being such a huge thing for my generation, like everyone's like has a phone, uh, in my like high school experience. Like I think everyone had a phone throughout the entirety of my high school experience. Um, We can all like access information about trans people and queer people and, you know, like all sorts of information. And so I think like it's made my generation a lot more conscious. And so even if people don't necessarily understand something, um, instead of just outright like bullying them for being different, sometimes people will like, check themselves and like do some research which I think is great or if like people are mean and they are bullies then they get called out for it um and then they can reassess their actions and you know like they'll educate themselves and apologize ideally um so yeah I I think it's just making our world like a more conscious um inclusive place right I mean there is there's safety in numbers just Mm -hmm. in terms of what you're talking about um If you're if you're just not the only person that is yeah. in a category, mm-hmm. uh, then that alone can do a mm-hmm. lot. I think to um, make. Oh, don't worry. I'll also get a phone call. We'll both get phone calls. <laughs> why don't Why don't we both have our phones on airplane mode? I should have asked. I turned mine off. This is on me. I forgot. <laughs> it's off now, though. Don't worry. I will wait for you to get a call, and then five minutes later, I'll get a call. So just to make sure that you. Uh, but yes. It's even now. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, that's that's all like, this is really interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to see how 
things have progressed in such little time, I feel like. Because even like 10 years ago, you know, like people could say like slurs in the hallways and totally get away with it. They could beat someone up and maybe get like reprimanded for it, but no real consequence. But now it's like there are like assemblies about sexual harassment and, you know, gender identity and sexuality. And like people don't, high schoolers and middle schoolers don't necessarily take that stuff seriously, but at least there's an attempt being made to educate people and sometimes the way that it's done isn't entirely accurate and can be a little problematic, but at least there is some, instead of just like brushing it under the rug, they're like, hey, we should talk about this. We should talk about safe sex and, you know, drug abuse. And we should also talk about, you know, um, gun violence and gangs. And, you know, like, I, I feel like there is an effort Um into like a more inclusive curriculum. Now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I went to Catholic high school, so I'm very Ooh. curious as to what you just said, <laughs> yeah. whether or not that's true I, there. I, I, I don't have, I don't have like a full I I don't I can't speak. I went to a public high school, so I can't speak personally for the experience of someone who went to a Catholic high school. It it probably is very different. Like I'm sure they probably get like abstinence only sex education. Yeah, that's but what I, I got. think that sex education is a part of curriculum, but I think in, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, but I think there's like an option for parents to like sign the kid out of it to like opt them out of it or something like that. Oh. If they don't want them. I, I'm not sure if that's like, right. It also is, it, you know, it's, well, it's definitely know. not standardized. Yeah. It definitely isn't in every state. Yeah, it definitely is true. not even standardized across schools in the same district that's true you know because yeah. people's experience of um it varies so the education much. system yeah. is like so it even variant. varies from like teacher yeah. to teacher exactly at the school. yes so, year yeah. by year like last year this person this year this person yeah exactly um what about and this is just because like we hear so much about this and then you're talking about okay so you were you out to you like some friends knew what was going on you're they're helping to encourage mm-hmm. your classmates to like use the right pronouns, things like that. Mm-hmm. What about your teachers and administration? My teachers stuff? were totally cool about it. Yeah. What about I, bathrooms? I kind of just, what bathrooms did you use? What like so I tried so I tried uh using the men's restroom and it just gave me too much anxiety. Like I would just kind of panic every time I went in. Um and honestly to this day I still kind of do. Um but I would just generally use like the single stall restroom that they had in the nurse's office or in the counselor's office, which sucked because it was a big school and I only had two restrooms that I could use. And those restrooms were also accessible to, you know, other people as well. So I was kind of like pushing for single stall, like gender neutral restrooms, but the school um, sort of shot the idea down because they had concerns about students, you know, like doing suspicious things in a single stall restroom. And like students are doing suspicious things in a multiple stall restroom, but okay. Um, (laughs) I I feel like, you know, the, the, the argument of gender neutral bathrooms being like some sort of like brooding spot for like people to do drugs and have sex is like, 
Like, that's not what everyone just goes there to do the same thing that we're all going to the bathroom for. Like, no one's going to just spontaneously start having sex in the bathroom. People do that in, in gendered restrooms, too. Like, yeah. it doesn't stop them is the thing. No, like, of course. That's, that's the, whole, the whole, like, trans bathroom argument is so dumb. Like, oh, you know, like, they're going to come and, like, molest children or whatever. Like, that will still happen even if you have a dumb rule about genitals in place that doesn't even apply. Like, why should it matter? Or it definitely it's, it's won't just a toilet. happen yeah. at when the predator is a trans person because that's never happened one time. Exactly. Zero, there are Statistically, actually zero trans people are the ones cases of that, that assaulted ever happening. Exactly. Um, but, um, right. Well, I think also... But there's a there's an added complexity when you're talking about school mm-hmm. that it's almost like we'd have to we have to like deal with a a culture wide um, sex negativity because yeah. because the other thing that's going on when people are talking about like little girls and little boys needing to be separated or mm-hmm. like um, teens needing to be pulled apart is like that we just in general as a you know, in the States anyway, uh, sex is like so scary. And the only way we can think about to prevent like air quotes prevent, cause nothing mm-hmm. is actually being done like underage pregnancy or whatever is just to like separate people. Like, I just yeah, think, I think like that's physically, also like, part of what's boundaries. going on. Yeah. Or it's also like, well, what if like young men are like assaulting women, you know, like it's that mm-hmm. whole thing where it's like, but if there's, women in there and they have their pants down and then like the boys are going to be looking through the, you know it's like this yeah. whole this whole like sort of thing that is like but Overly. that's the problem anyway exactly like, I just mean, like exactly like that, that happens that anyways think yeah that young men that doesn't like, just happen in bathrooms themselves. Exactly. yes exactly like it like it's more um it's maybe not about like the way to prevent like something like sexual assault like the way to prevent yeah. sexual assault is to make sure that 16-year-olds aren't peeing next to each other. It's maybe like, well, it could also be, like, talking about... Addressing it and... Exactly, yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Like, it's maybe maybe that more. And also holding actual people who do sexually assault accountable. Exactly. But um, I think, like, one of the the things that um, I like about, uh, like european sort of style bathrooms is that they're all like usually unisex and it's like the the stall is like from the floor to the wall so you have complete privacy and i'm like why isn't it like this in the states like everyone just goes they do their business you you can't like look and see under the stall of who's next to you so you can't like freak out like oh no like someone's gonna see me or whatever um and then you just wash your hands and you go and that's it like I mean, why can't it be that simple? I I feel like again, yeah, I think it's just this link that we have in our culture between like any sort of sexuality Mm -hmm. or bodies, just literally bodies and predatory behavior. Like we view bodies as only something that like can be corrupted or exactly that we can that like that um, inspire predation in somebody else as opposed to just like, yo, I have to pee, you know, like, which just has nothing to do with like your erection, you Mm -hmm. know? And, and we just have not, there's a lot of work to be done to undo that. Yeah. And that I think is like the bigger issue Mm -hmm. that, and then, so therefore like kids are 
unsafe at school or like have to, like you're saying, like run across the school to use like the one bathroom that's accessible because we can't like, as a culture, talk about yeah. bodies in a in way, a that's, healthy at, way. Uh, that's at all functional. Exactly. So instead of like um, using like fear and shame as the number one tactic, right. like, you know, don't ever have sex or else you'll get pregnant and ruin your life and blah, blah, blah. And like, it's that sort of uh, method of sex education is so ineffective. Yes. And like, there are studies that show that it's ineffective and it doesn't like abstinence only sex education does not prevent pregnancy because then they just don't know how to use protection and how to, you know, like know about backup prevention uh, methods and stuff like that. And so it's it's just like setting did you have the system sex up for failure. failure. Yeah, you? yeah, I did. Um, I think that I had it like multiple different years it was required. Um, and there are also sections of it where they were required to talk about, like teach us about like drugs and the effects on it, the body and stuff like that. Um, and people would like make jokes during certain parts and like, you know, just be immature. Because that's how like it is. And yeah, I think when that's you're, when you're probably teenager, very difficult like, to prevent. People are just uncomfortable. People, you know? people are uncomfortable and they like find ways to joke about it or, you know, make right. immature jokes because uh, like people are always making immature jokes in high school, like no matter what. But I, it was good that we got to talk about it at least um, and that it wasn't just being ignored. Um, and I heard that certain teachers were really good about also informing people on um, you know, more than just hetero sex. And they were also talking about like, you know, like guys can be guys and also trans people exist and this is how it works. And then, you know, other teachers may have been like, uh, so this is a penis, this is a vagina. Uh, just look at the diagram, you know, and, and like didn't really um, inform people much, but I guess they kind of left that because they have this logic where they're like, oh, your parents will talk to you about that. That's something your parents need to talk to you about. But some people's parents don't have a fully inclusive sex ed when they give them the talk. Or sometimes they never get the talk at all. So, you know, it's like my parents aren't going to be like, you know, you can be gay and be trans and this is how it works. Like I had to go to the internet for that, you know, like I didn't. So not everyone gets that opportunity to have like sex education but the internet exists. The internet and does exist. You can you can type anything you want into that search bar. I um, so, I had yeah. no sex ed and lived in kind of a pre-internet world, so I basically had to watch the L word and try to figure out what the fuck they were doing with their hands. <laughs> um, Especially crushing all, glasses. All the, all the shots were like you can't really see anything, so you're like, what's happening? Mm, but I think I was. Like, yeah, I think it's this. <laughs> um, I mean, it. You know. Uh, Good news is sex, there are some elements of sex that are that are intuitive. Yeah. Um, none of them are like condoms. Yeah. <laughs> none of no them one, are like no how. No one really stops none of them are things like, like in a, no one stops in a TV show and they're like, all right, now we need a shot of them opening up the packaging of right. the condom and, you know. Yes. It's not entirely like accurate representation yet, but maybe. So Actually, I've, I've seen a few shows where they did that recently, yeah. which is cool. Because, like, it safe is cool. sex. Yeah. Always use protection, guys. It is cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like, first of all, you've been so lovely to talk to, but also um, I'm thinking about um, 
being your age and already having a job. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had jobs when I was your age, but they were not like public jobs. I was like a lifeguard, you know, it was so it's like a, a little lifeguard. different. That's so great. Yeah. I mean, it was that's, awesome. That's you know? amazing. Or I was like a camp counselor or something. Yeah. Um, but uh, having like a job that requires you'd have like a, a persona or like a, a way of being in public space. Yeah. And then also essentially representing an entire group of people and all that. And what do you do to take care of yourself? I know we've mentioned therapy a little bit. What other stuff are you doing to Um, make sure? Yeah. Therapy is essential. Um, Also I've, I've started like meditating recently and uh, it it has helped. Um, I, I feel like usually just, taking all of my thoughts and writing them down and just doing sort of a brain dump um, because my anxiety is constantly just like running in my head and sort of taking that and like slowing down and putting it into words on paper helps. Um, What is that in this? What's the general scope of that? that you're like worried about um just everything like life things, oh sure i can relate like to that totally all the time yeah so just i take all of my anxieties and i just write it down before i go to bed usually um because if not then those same thoughts will just circle around my brain and then i can't sleep um another thing is staying away from social media sometimes like learning when to take a break Because I I think like there is always this pressure to constantly maintain your image. And, you know, if you don't post every day or whatever, you'll lose followers and you got to stay relevant in order to get jobs. But also that's a lot of pressure to put on someone to constantly like keep up um, this like online persona. Because sometimes you just need a day to yourself and you just need to um, step away from posting and that's fine. And yeah, I'm so I, it took glad me a little bit, that. It took me a little bit to, like, accept that because I'd be like, no, no, I really need to, like, post every day. Um, but I've realized, like, like I think I took, like, a month-long break. Maybe it wasn't quite that long um, from social media because I, I just, like, told myself, like, I'm not going to keep track. I'm not going to be like, I'm stepping away for exactly 30 days and then coming back right after. Like, I'm just going to come back when I feel like coming back. Um, and I, I realized, like, I was like, there's really a lot that I'm like procrastinating while I'm on social media, but I'm telling myself that I'm being productive because I'm like, oh yeah, no, I'm I'm building like connections and, you know, answering messages and stuff. And it feels like you're being productive, but actually in reality, there's like a ton of other stuff that when I took my phone away and stopped using it, I was like, I have all this other stuff that I should be doing that I want to do right now. Um, so yeah, it's good to just kind of step back and let yourself work on something that's not like on your phone every once in a while. Yeah. Uh, especially because for you or for me, you know, it's, it's also an extension of a job, mm-hmm. like being on social media yeah. is an extension of a job. Yeah, and exactly. I think it can get really, it can be really easy to like forget that and essentially do like a 12 or 14 hour work day mm-hmm. because you're, or even always longer on. than that yeah. because you're like – Because you're always You're on. at work exactly. and then you're coming home and you're actually still at work. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, you know, true for – so there might be people who it's not so much um, an extension of their work life in a in such a direct way. But it's still like effort and energy mm-hmm. that you're spending there that maybe – And you're still in that headspace of your persona and your career, which is the thing that I noticed when I was away from social media. I'm like, 
who am I really? Like, what am I, what am I doing here? Right. Like, <laughs> and even if it's not directly career related, it's usually still persona related. Yeah. So anybody that's listening, yeah. that's like not, you know, a blue check mark person mm-hmm. or whatever, it's still a you, thing that you're yeah, maintaining. You still have you know, like an yeah. image that you want to project. Like no one's just posting. Well, some people do, but like usually you're posting things to your Instagram or whatever that you want people to see and be like, Oh yeah, that person's cool or they're funny or whatever. But yeah, it's, it's, it is a lot of effort, like you said, to like constantly maintain that. I just found that, that for me, I was making sacrifices. And if it wasn't necessarily, sometimes maybe procrastinating work stuff like you're talking about, mm-hmm. but then other times, or procrastinating other things, but other times it was like making um, a decision to do that, to spend effort there, and then being like, too tired or too mm. overworked to then have like space for friends face to face time. Mm-hmm. And that's also really important to not like yeah. exhaust yourself so much um, with, I don't know. I guess I just, I, I still do struggle with this feeling of like, if I'm not in this space, do I even exist? And it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. that is, that's an anxiety that, can be attended to. I can definitely relate to that. Yeah. But it's, uh, you have to tell that, like, that's not true. Like, I am still existing and valid, even if I'm not constantly proving my worth to everyone, which is kind of what social media the, feels like the, sometimes. The it's like, worth look proving at me. is something I'm, to pay attention to. I'm a person and <laughs> I exist and I'm great. Yeah. Please validate me. And that's what I feel like sometimes. Oh, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it, it, it can get unhealthy. And it's good to step back and like like you said, face to face time with friends is always important. And just taking a second to sort of enjoy the moment, like the current moment that you're living in and where you are instead of being worlds away on your phone, which, you know, I'm so guilty of doing all the time. There's so many moments that I've missed out on because I was like anxious and kept checking my phone or something like that. So I definitely want to like live in the moment more. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for making time. Thank you for having me. And, and uh, I will tell everyone that, that you I saw that you just, it was like, incredible. Crush, just like Hulk a glass with your bare foot. Like, I mean, and hand. it wasn't even that much effort. It, if you really you go back to it in yeah, your mind, you, I basically you did like almost touched nothing. It. You like, yes. like, like just gently grasped it. You're basically. like, I have met her and straight <laughs> up like powerful person. Like when, like, you, when you shake my hand, I'm going to be scared. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, right. That's just like, <laughs> <laughs> just like my yes. hand is just like eight weeks on testosterone is definitely not enough to be able to receive this handshake. I, I I'll feel come like, back in a year. Yes, maybe I'll yeah. be I'll start lifting oh, weights. I just can't like even, little little yes. hand weights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you know you're um you're a really impressive person just because uh to be able to to speak about your feelings the way that you can that's that i think is so impressive <laughs> truly it's <laughs> communication so, it's hard communication Therapy is, helps with that commu- actually <laughs> sure yes i mean it can but um <laughs> but yeah that's that's really great and before I send you back into your day, I just want to ask if you want to shout out a queero just a person place or thing made you feel like you can be who you are today okay um i would love to shout out a another Netflix original series. I am not on it, but it's called Tales of the City. And I feel like I was just really happy with the trans masculine representation. Um, and just 
the queer representation in general, like seeing different facets of um, queer community in San Fran, it made me really happy. Yeah, so, my friend yeah. Jen Richards is on that yeah, show. Yeah, I love Jen. She's been on this She's amazing. Podcast. Yeah. yeah, so shout out to her. Shout out to um, Garcia. Um, I can't remember his last name, but he plays Jake. And shout out to everyone else that was involved in that show because I love it. Was, yeah. I thought it was great. Yeah. And I'm going to include this in the intro and everything, but t- tell folks where they can catch more of your work oh yes okay because we didn't talk about this at all (laughs) so um i'm on a netflix original series called the oa um season one and season two are well well, sorry part one and part two are available for streaming on netflix anytime um each season's eight episodes so check it out um and I'm also going to be in the upcoming sequel to The Last of Us. So The Last of Us Part 2. Um, no, I do not have a release date, so stop asking me. <laughs> um, I've had so many people ask me, and I genuinely don't know. So, uh, yeah, just um, it'll just expect that and look forward to that. And there's more stuff coming in the works in the future that I can't talk about. But I will be excited to share it when I can. And um, what else? I think that's it. Yeah. Amazing. I just want to thank you for uh, repping the 90s <laughs> yes. dude cut. The, that the, um, I've been trying to figure out that I- literally every gay has been. It's either this or the mullet, I've noticed. That's like the summer trend. It's the middle part that's like 90s Leo boy or like bleached hair. Platinum Get hair. away from me. I don't have... Yeah. <laughs> Or the mullet, which I was going to do the mullet, but I decided to do the middle part. So. I really think it looks good on you. Thank you. I yeah. like it. I, I think, like, I've gotten really confident with um, the changes in my, like, facial structure and, like, how my jaw looks. So I'm like, I'm going to show my face off and <laughs> brush my hair back instead of hiding behind my bangs. And, you know. That's it's, right. It's nice. Hot boy summer. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, bud. Thanks, bud.